Hi, everybody. Hello Good morning. There. Welcome to all. It is Sunday, June 28th, 2020. My name is John Firsty. I'm Sarah Firsty. Uh, we lead the River community in downtown New York City, and we want to start just by saying thank you. Thank you for watching our video today, for being here on the YouTube channel and taking part in our online service. Uh, we really are glad that you're doing that. We appreciate you swinging by our virtual church. <laughs> uh, special hello to the, uh, what do we call it, the viewing party. Hey there, viewing yes, party. Yes, hello. Hi. Try not to get too crazy over there, everybody. Um, hope you're having fun. Um, I don't know if everyone knows this, but we are uh, recording today in Southern California. We've been here for almost a month now, uh, caring for Sarah's aunt, who is uh, a little bit older and needs some extra help at this point in her life. Here, let me prove this to you. Yeah. See if you can see this. Can you see it? Palm trees? Yeah. Ha ha. Ha. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Uh, directors, we are not. Let's okay. talk to the camera guy. Anyway, um, hello everybody, welcome. And a fun fact, today is our 34th wedding anniversary. Can you believe that? Yeah. It's so crazy. what we'll do is we'll put a little thing on the bottom of the screen with our addresses so you can send us valuable gifts. Yeah. No, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. And we're not only celebrating our anniversary today, but today is the 50th anniversary of the Pride March in New York City. So Yay. happy Pride, Pride Month, Month, everyone. Yeah. Way to go. Yeah. All right. So here we are. You know, I just keep finding myself wondering, how are you doing? How are you all doing out there? How are you dealing with all that's going on these days? I mean... We've said this before, and I have a feeling we're going to keep saying it. We are living in a truly extraordinary moment, aren't we? I mean, we've been thinking about you and all the myriad of challenges, really, that each and every one of us are facing these days. And we are really hoping that you find our, you're finding ways to stay sane and healthy in the midst of all that's going on. And our hope with these videos is that they would bring you some encouragement, maybe a little bit of perspective, things that might make your life just feel better in these crazy days, a little bit better. That's what we're aiming for. And during these past several weeks, we've pivoted away from our regular sermons in order to better address what we think is an extraordinary time in our country. In our view, we're living in a powerfully prophetic and God-inspired moment. It's true. Where we all have the opportunity to see racial injustice in perhaps a new way, mm -hmm. to challenge it, and to uproot it. So we're using these videos to highlight various members of the River community who are sharing very honestly and vulnerably about their own thoughts and experiences around the topic of racism. And it's really been tremendous. It has, and it's going to be today because I know we're going to hear from Dorothea Lee, D-Row, she's also known as, and uh, we've known D-Row and her husband Josh, who by the way, you see playing guitar, he's a wonderful guitar player, and plays guitar in our worship videos. We've known them both for over a decade, and um, we've just enjoyed them for so many years, and it's exciting today that you're going to get to enjoy uh, D-Row and hear from her. And I think she's got some wonderful thoughts to share about how to deepen our empathy for the black experience, how to stay in the fight for the long haul, the fight for justice, along with, uh, I think, a, a really interesting new perspective on how softness might help us as we seek to address 
racial injustice in our lives and in our society. And before we move on to the interview and her segment, let's read our passage for today. It's a very familiar one from Matthew 5 called the Beatitudes. And as I read this, I encourage you to just try to calm yourself and your heart and let these words sink in. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Hmm. Amen. Thank you for reading that. And uh, we'll come back to that passage at the end of the video. But for now, let's meet Dero, our little interview, and then her segment. And then we'll be back. Hello, Dorothea. How are you doing today? There. I'm good. It's so nice to see you. I wish we were in the same space, but here we are in the same digital space. That's something that's good to see you today. Yeah. Yes. So we want people just to get to know a little bit about you. What sh what are the basic facts that we should know about Dorothy Dorothea, aka Dero? Um, that's how most people know you. What What should we know about your illustrious life thus far? Um. So I guess I. I'm Chinese American. I was born and raised in New Jersey. Um, Jersey. I studied for a little bit at a small Christian liberal arts school in Massachusetts before I finished my graphic design degree at RISD. And um, I'm married to Josh Lee and I have a really derpy rescue dog named Toby. <laughs> yeah. And Toby's kind of burning up the internet with his Instagram, right? <laughs> Tobyalperson.com or however it works with you. <laughs> uh, that's great. And tell us a little bit about your um, your relationship with Josh. That's That factors into things a little bit. So Josh and I started out as um, acquaintances in the same junior high school and we were very different people back then. Um, I guess I was a much sassier person back then, and he was maybe a little more straight-laced traditional. <laughs> and then um, we reconnected through Facebook after college, uh, thinking that we would cross paths in San Francisco. And even though that never happened, we just wound up hitting it off. And so we've been together now um, 12 years. 12 That's years. That's awesome. Wow. Anything you want to say about your marriage or your, specifically your wedding ceremony or anything? 
<laughs> I had the most awesome. Say that again, it's breaking up. <laughs> I want to be sure we can't finish for sure. the Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had the most awesome officiants, Sarah and John, who managed to sneak in some Princess Bride for me. Man and it was just really touching. <laughs> yes, it's really touching to just have all of the people who were there with, with us from the beginning to up until that moment and seeing how we grew and changed as people all gathered together to celebrate. Oh, it was a really was a fun day. I do remember Mayowidge was yeah. Anyway, the Princess <laughs> Bride fans can look that up. Hey, yeah. we are so grateful that you're um, digging deep and thinking hard about how you want to contribute to this conversation that we feel, um, to say important feels to undersell it. I think we're in, like we've said before, a prophetically important, powerful moment. And I think you have something really powerful to contribute, I'm quite sure. And so thanks again for doing this, d -Row. We appreciate it. Appreciate you and Josh and even Toby. Thank yes. you. Yeah. Okay. okay. I'm excited. <laughs> Thank you, Thank guys. You. Thanks, John and Sarah, for inviting me to talk today. Um, as an Asian American, I feel the need right off the bat to break the stereotype of being the silent and forgotten or invisible group in America's race discussions, especially when it comes to racism against black people and people with darker skin tones, not only in the white majority, but also within the Asian community. Um, as a person who both experiences racism and also has certain levels of privilege, I've been thinking a lot lately about whether there is room for what I call softness in the face of injustice. And I know right away you're thinking, softness doesn't sound like the kind of energy and strength and posture we need to fin to win this fight against huge systems and hate and obtain justice. And I think that could totally be true. Um, just as there are many doors that can reach us individually and lead us to God, I've started to think that there are many paths that can bring us closer to creating heaven on earth. And we can utilize all of them as needed um, and constantly reorient and continue towards it. So um, two caveats with this idea of softness. Um, as an Asian female fighting against the stereotype of submission, I don't really want to be the face of advocating for softness. Um, but those who know me know I lean more towards sassiness um, and I hope with that in mind and some room for explanation and nuance, uh, this will become a little clearer. The second thing that I want to acknowledge right away is um, to all my Black loved ones who have been hurt and continue to experience trauma, you have every right to feel the ways that you do to take whatever steps you need to care for yourself and to fight for life. 
I firmly believe that God has given us the full range of human emotion to experience and Jesus flipping over the tables in the tabernacle in righteous anger is a timeless and timely model for all of us right now. Um, that said, if you're, especially if you're black, tired, overwhelmed, traumatized, and furious, the first case for softness that I want to make is as a place for healing and retreat and restoration from all of the hardness that you've been dealt in life. Um, just as we've been given the full range of emotion, I truly believe that God also created all of the goodness and beauty in this world for all of us to experience. Um, so even though it seems impossible or may only be available in small hidden moments right now, I want to encourage for my black loved ones especially to find ways and allow yourself to retreat and restore and live in the full goodness and beauty that God has intended for you. Um, when I think about softness in, the, in this way, softness of life is to actively, to live in the softness of life is to actively or aggressively grab hold of the goodness of God in bold defiance of those who wish anything less for you. Now, I know that those on the front lines can only feel comfortable retreating if they can trust others to take their place. So turning to my allies, um, I hear some of you are starting to sense burnout too. And for, for me, my intense anger can ultimately become yet another tax on my emotional well-being when I'm already dealing with COVID and joblessness and persistent racism and other past issues and countless other things. And I know that we are all scared of what happens when people grow tired and stop fighting. Um, something I learned while playing the clarinet is that there are times in music when we're asked to hold on to a note longer than is feasible for any single person to maintain without taking a breath somewhere in the middle. Um, when this happens, individual players work on staggering their breaths so that the overall effect is a maintained note without a noticeable break in sound. Some people take it earlier than they need so that they can carry the note strongly when others finally take that breath. And this is how I imagine us as a community fighting for injustice. We all need to take breaths, breaks sometimes, and the important thing is to not beat ourselves up over it, but to allow for limits and then jump back in and to hold the pressure. So my second case for softness is to be soft towards ourselves in in the small moments to avoid burnout so that we can be strong overall and stay in this marathon to win lasting real changes for the community. My third area I think 
softness has a purpose is in terms of learning. Um, when I first began exploring this whole topic, it was in a really intense, um, intentional living community tackling cultural um, and racial reconciliation. And it was really hard and I felt I came away feeling knowledgeable and pretty proud, honestly, of the work that I did in college. But fast forward uh, about a decade later, and um, one Sunday, my friend Khalid, some of you guys may know him, um, The Hills, he was sharing about his encounter with the police. And um, I just broke down in tears because I realized then that I knew, but I didn't really know. I didn't really understand the reality or the depth of the black experience and how scary and how painful, how ingrained um, some of these things are. And, and it, it broke me. Um, I started to read again from more perspectives and realized that some of the conclusions that I had arrived at, or even the conclusions that the books I read in the past were in direct opposition to the more recent trains of thought. So my this idea of softness in learning is to be willing to revisit what you've already learned be open to more perspectives and to deepen your empathy on a continual basis. We're never done learning and honestly, maybe even a month from now, I'm going to evolve or want to revisit some of what I'm sharing with you guys today. Um, the fourth area of softness is to be able to adapt and keep moving forward in response to judgment. It's natural to be paralyzed by guilt or lack of knowledge or too many different directions you can invest your limited energies or even just be paralyzed by the rejection and anger of others um, for waking up late to injustice. I want to encourage all of us to do what we can to keep moving forward when we know better we do better just pick a direction move as far as your resources enable you to and when you're out pick another lane or direction and push with those resources that you have for that new direction um hurt people can reject or lash out and it's okay to understand and allow for their feelings and keep going to do the work to help them now. At the risk of running into another Asian stereotype, um, it reminds me a lot of martial arts where you constantly adapt to an opposing force and incorporate that energy into your response. You stay in the fight by staying flexible and pivoting as needed. My, um, my final my final place where I think softness has a purpose is kind of like the boss level. Um, it's the hardest 
level. It's definitely not for everyone. And a lot of times I really struggle to be able to, to do this, but, um, so it's natural for us to lose patience at injustice and people who don't get it yet. Um, but I was thinking how we've all had to learn about racism, whether as a target or as a participant or as both. And in fact, the, the human race doesn't pass on any knowledge or history without someone doing the hard work of learning more and then passing on that education. There, yes, there are so many resources out there for people to self-educate and it's not fair to ask us who are being harmed to also find the wherewithal to educate those who are harming. It's, it's not fair to even ask us to use nice words or watch our tone or be mindful of their feelings when we're hurt and traumatized and are the ones who need help. We have a right to be angry, to lash out and demand change and justice now and for others to get with the program ASAP. Um, so this is where I think privilege plays a big role, especially as an ally. Um, and I can only speak for myself when I say that I recognize my privilege has afforded me at times more energy and emotional capacity to occasionally do the heavy lifting where the most hurt people can't. To patiently and slowly break things down and educate the ignorant, to keep people from becoming defensive by carefully crafting words and messages like today's, to periodically expose myself to microaggressions and harmful ignorance or hate for the sake of engaging someone towards change. Um, I, I do get tripped up by where others are at or the work I'm being asked to do unfairly, um, but I also recognize that if, if there is a way that I can muster up the strength and reserve to fight and respond with softness. It means that I have used softness as a way to meet harm with generosity for the greater good. I, in summation, um, when I see a place for softness, it doesn't equate weakness. To me, it's boldly living out God's goodness. It's ensuring enough fuel for the fire to keep fighting through necessary self-care. It's the hard work of staying open and continually growing. It's adaptability and um, undeserved generosity. Softness can feel scary and in some ways it feels like the death of oneself when a lot of us may already be really hurting. But I think it's a path towards becoming a more effective fighter 
in this big race. And I don't want us to stop fighting for black lives. I want us to be able to have as many tools at our disposal to maintain our effectiveness till we can one day obtain justice. Thank you, Dorothy Adiro. Uh, wow, really appreciate that and appreciate your willingness to share so vulnerably and meaningfully. You have given us a lot to think about, uh, all of us, so thanks. Thank you. Yeah, so let's finish by coming back to the Beatitudes. We're familiar with the language, blessed are, but I read once that a more precise translation might be, you're in the right place if. I find that very interesting and it, and it gives me a new perspective to a familiar passage. So with that in mind, here's another version. And again, I invite you just to relax and calm yourself and let these words soak in. You're in the right place if you can stand and embrace your poverty and that of others. For one day you will stand very close to God. Maybe you're already standing there. You're in the right place if you can stand before coffins and graves and cry, weeping for those now beyond your sight. For you will feel the arm of God around your shoulders. You're in the right place if you can stand behind and beneath others and let them go first and receive the best of everything. For you have much coming to you in the end. You're in the right place if you hunger and thirst for what is right, if justice brings you alive and injustice moves you to action, for you someday will be satisfied. You're in the right place if you speak words of mercy instead of aggression and accusation, for mercy will find its way back to you and make its home in you. You're in the right place if your words and actions are pure love, for you will see God in your own reflection. You're in the right place if you can make and embrace peace with those around you, no matter their faults, their addictions, their histories, their origins and leanings and orientations, for then you are accepting your given place as a child of God. You're in the right place if you're ruffling a few feathers, if you're hated for your hatred of injustice and your acceptance of the little, the weak, and the oppressed, for you will find yourself sitting in the lap of God. Wow, great version, yeah, it's interesting perspective, really good. Let's finish, let's conclude our time together today by praying this out loud together. Would you pray with us? Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, Christ you reach across all boundaries, and you include everyone in your gift of God's love, grace, and wonder. You send us the Holy Spirit to connect us in and through our differences. Help us now to break down the barriers that separate and harm. Give us the courage to see the reality of racism, to challenge it, and to uproot it from ourselves, our society, and our world. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you. Thank you for watching. See you next week.